This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. May 4th, 2020. To all your Star Wars fans out there, may the 4th be with you. I just couldn't help myself. I am a Star Wars fan myself. Okay, on to today's economic news. Uh, just two today, motor vehicle sales uh, were uh, 11.4 million in March. Forecast for today, or forecast for April, was for 7.1 million, and the actual was 8.6 million. So better than forecast, but much less than in March. And domestic vehicle sales were 9 million in March and all the way down to 6.8 million in April. And uh, the only other thing for today was factory orders for March. In February, factory orders were down 0.1%. The forecast for March was minus 9.5%, and the actual was a minus 10.3% decline. So most certainly seeing a big uh, impact from the coronavirus in factory orders. Now, I just wanted to share this quick article. <clears throat> it's so short, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it here. But this is from the University of Minnesota. They did some research, and they are now developing another antibody test for the coronavirus. It says, researchers at the University of Minnesota Medical School have developed a test for antibodies to the SARS-CoV-2 virus, the agent that causes COVID-19 that uses routine laboratory supplies not in high demand. In concert with the U of M's PCR polymerase chain reaction a technique to detect specific DNA or RNA sequences. So it says, in concert with the U of M's PCR test for the presence of viral material, the new antibody test will allow a person's infection status to be determined with much greater precision, helping equip the state to confidently send people back to work. Employees at M Health Fairview Bethesda Hospital, who are part of the frontline defense against the virus, will be the first beneficiaries of the new test. Here's how the two tests work to categorize an infection status. If the PCR and antibody tests are both negative, the person has not been exposed to the virus and should practice social distancing and stay home. If the PCR is positive and the antibody test is negative, the person is in early stage of infection, that is, they haven't yet produced antibodies to the virus. They can infect others, so must be quarantined. If both tests are positive, the person is in a later stage of infection and must be quarantined. If only the antibody test is positive, it's a sign of a past infection, but there's no active virus, and the person would be presumably immune to further infection and fit to return to work. So, this sounds like a very interesting development in the sense that they're kind of doing a, a two-test approach now so that it's, you know, more... Uh, more reliable in terms of what it's really saying about, uh, you know, where the person is in, in the stage of the coronavirus. So that is uh, something that uh, should be uh, good news for trying to get people back to work further or faster than we had previously thought was possible. Okay, so there's that. And now uh, just a quick recap of the market today. Market was down for most of the day. By a couple hundred points, and then uh, rebounded toward the end, of the, toward the end of the day. But it was down most of the day due to uh, Trump saying he could use more tariffs to uh, retaliate against China for their uh, 
for their actions uh, regarding the coronavirus. And airlines took a big hit today as Warren Buffett dumped all his shares in American, Delta, and Southwest Airlines. All his shares. So when Warren, Beff- when Warren Buffett acts, people, people uh, uh, take notice. And so uh, he's... He's not betting on any kind of uh, good news coming out of the airline industry anytime soon. So if you want to take a little bit of a of an investment uh, tip there, or a little bit of investment advice, um, do what Warren is doing. Certainly can't hurt you. Uh, just a few things today to share from the Financial Times. Uh, uh, this article is about energy demand. It says the coronavirus outbreak has caused a staggering drop in global energy demand, equivalent to India's total annual consumption. Energy demand worldwide could drop 6% in 2020. The plunge will cut global, car- global carbon dioxide emissions to levels not seen since 2010, with an unprecedented drop of 8% in 2020. Uh, let's see here. Uh, while overall while overall global energy demand is set to fall 6%, the forecast decline in the U.S. this year is 9%, with an 11% drop expected in the, in the European Union. Global oil demand would decline by a record 9.3 million barrels a day this year. That's staggering. And uh, it says uh, overall electricity consumption will also decline, but renewable power is expected to increase primarily because of new wind projects in the U.S., Another article talked about the initial jobless claims. Uh, like I said last week, it's now up to 30 million. And it says, uh, the number of Americans who have successfully filed claims and been approved for unemployment insurance rose to a record 12.4% of the entire workforce by April 18th. So that's two weeks ago. So, you know, what is it now? Wow. Uh, it says... The Commerce Department said separately the household spending tumbled the worst than expected 7.5% in March, which I previously talked about. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, that's it for that. And a little bit of a couple of notes on the Federal Reserve. Jay Powell sent an unmistakable message to investors and the public on Wednesday. Hopes for a quick economic rebound in the second half of the year risked being an illusion, and the Federal Reserve was gearing up for a long fight against the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, looking out over a year or so, there was still huge uncertainty over whether the virus itself could be, def- could be defeated. There was a risk of damage to the productive capacity of the economy. There was a very negative global dimension to the problem, and consumers would be cautious as they started spending again. The chances are that it won't go right back to where we were. You probably have, at best, a U-shaped recovery where it picks up in the second half, but will be very sluggish. So that's what the Federal Reserve Chairman is expecting in the coming months. And uh, another, another set of notes here. Says global banks brace for $50 billion of bad loan charges in the first quarter. U.S. and European banks are on track to book more than $50 billion of charges on souring loans in the first quarter, the biggest such provisions since the 2008 9 financial crisis. An indication of the, several economic, of the severe economic damage wrought by the coronavirus pandemic. So, very, very difficult news there for the banking industry. 
It says economies at, at risk of second hit to job. The second wave of job losses could hit developed economies even when lockdowns begin to ease as businesses reassess their ability to operate in an era of continued social distancing. I'll talk more about this in just a second. In the U.S., more than 3.8 million people filed for new claims last week. Says data due this week, which is Friday, which is going to be a very, very big report because it'll be the first time since we've had a first, uh, a first full month of real pandemic effects. Uh, the the pandemic effects on the job market really didn't hit until about mid March. So this Friday's employment report is going to be a doozy. It's going to be something eye popping. Uh, like I said, not everyone who's on unemployment insurance is employed, or is unemployed. Matter of fact, the vast majority of them are furloughed, so they wouldn't show up in the jobless numbers. But we'll see what that really looks like on Friday. And it says the big quick question now is how many people will be able to return to their jobs or find new ones once lockdowns ease and parts of the economy reopen? And I think that is uh, it. Let me just check here. Yeah, that's that's it. Well, here's something interesting. The market moves uh, recently have underscored how data from trials of remdesivir have become a proxy for wider investor sentiment. So when Gilead came out with their test for remdesivir that was a good development, the market went up. But it says here, the positive data from Rendezvous study run by the U.S. government when it was accompanied by several caveats. Dr. Fauci warned it was not a knockout trial and that the drug did not demonstrate a statistically significant impact on the survival rates. So the question is, if the test, if the trial was not statistically significant, then why was there so much hoopla about this test, about this trial? That, that is interesting. I guess maybe the market might have gotten a little ahead of itself there, or maybe, I don't know, it was a, it was a leaked trial uh, document, so it wasn't something that, I think it was leaked, so I don't think it was supposed to be meant for public consumption, so I don't know. But, uh, we'll have to hear more about that to see what's going on with that drug. But that seems to be what everybody's uh, putting their hopes on right now in terms of getting out of this mess and getting the economy back and going and uh, making sure everybody still stays safe, you know. So uh, we have to see what's going on with with that drug and the trials that they're they're doing. Okay, just one other note here uh, from a friend of mine in the mortgage industry says 30-year mortgage rates are at the lowest on record right now. Uh, 3.9, 3.19% on a 30-year mortgage uh, on Friday. So if you're looking to refinance or buy a home, and if you can get out to buy a home uh, in this uh, environment, perfect time, perfect time. At least if you if you still have a job and still have an income and can go out and see, find a home and, and look at a home, then it's a perfect time, at least in terms of the mortgage rates. But a uh, pretty tough time for a lot of people regarding incomes and jobs and, and and health and all of that so it's kind of a bittersweet thing if you but uh you don't have to go out anywhere to get a refinance so if you already have a mortgage you want to refinance uh no time better than right now 
Okay, and just I want to share a few notes from this uh, video I watched from this uh, CEO of a restaurant owning uh, firm. Uh, he said that there will be lower occupancy and more spaced out tables. Uh, this is the outlook for the restaurant industry. Uh, be, the biggest concern is what happens if there is a second wave of the virus. In other words, if they, they do all of these, this uh, you know, redesigning of their restaurants or, or moving things around and opening things up, uh, and uh, all of a sudden the virus comes back, then what do they do? Because this is going to be a testing ground. And if it doesn't work going at half capacity, then what are they going to do? I mean, half capacity is or whatever capacity they're going to be at, which is going to be less than 100% at first, is going to be very difficult to go by at, at just just on that. But if they have to go even less or, or can't or have to close again, he's saying a very large share of restaurants, maybe even 50%, would not be able to make it. And he was saying that his, his break-even point is 50% capacity. So if they have to go at 25%, uh, a lot of restaurants just might not make it. So... Very, very trying times right now and a very, very uh, difficult outlook for the restaurant industry right now. And because it is a very low margin industry already, the fact that they, they have less revenue because there's no customers and they have higher input costs because of, uh, you know, primarily meat, uh, the bottlenecks in the meat processing industry, um, it's weighing on margins even more. And of course, he's, like, like many other businesses, he's having difficulty paying rent as well. So that's another big issue that they have to deal with right now. So just a quick note on uh, the uh, the issues right now with the restaurant industry. All right, just a quick update on the coronavirus itself. Uh, U.S. fatalities yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday were the fewest since March 31. So that is very, very good news was that... Uh, 11.54, I think, yesterday was the number of uh, fatalities for the United States. Nope. Yeah, 11.54. Uh, so, fewest since March 31. And for, for the rate of growth, or the death rate is 6.96%. Excuse me, that's for the world. For the United States, the death rate right now is 5.77%, so it's down a little bit from the last few days. And the rate of growth for fatalities is 1.7%, which is, I believe that's the lowest that we've, yep, that's the lowest that we've seen since this pandemic began. Boy, is that ever good news. We still have fatalities that are high. We don't want to see any, but, but, uh, the fact that they're not growing at, at the rates that were growing before is, is very good news. And just lends itself further to saying, you know, maybe it is time to start opening up very slowly and very cautiously. Uh, and uh, for the world, kind of the same thing, 6.96% on the death rate, down from the last few days. 1.4% on the growth rate for fatalities. That is the second lowest we've seen since the pandemic began. So both the United States and the world are seeing downward trends in the rate of growth and fatalities on a day-over-day -day basis. Okay, that's about it for today. Uh, my tip for today for how to stay sane during unemployment is uh, number 16. Today's tip is learn a programming language called R. 
If you've never heard of R, that's just a capital R. That's just what it's called. A very odd name, but it's just R. And it's used for data analysis and statistical analysis. It's a, it's a pretty neat program. I myself have learned the basics of it, but have not learned beyond that. Um, you have to really put in a lot of time to, to really want to do this if you, if you want to or if you have to for your job. But it is a very, very uh, high in-demand uh, program. So if you're doing any kind of data analysis and you haven't really heard of R yet, which would be hard for me to believe, but if you're just getting into the data analysis and data science uh, field, learn R. You'll be much more marketable. That's all I have for today. Again, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to my podcast or follow it, uh, where, where, depending on where you're at. I guess uh, on Podbean it's following, but on other platforms it's subscribing. So do whichever you wish to do. Spread the word, if you would, for my uh, about my podcast to others who you think might uh, enjoy it and find it valuable. And I would like to thank a new follower that I that I uh, uh, acquired here in the last day. Uh, his name or this person's name, I don't know if it's a man, man or a woman, but this person's name is Hutton. That's their handle. So thank you, Hutton, for joining the community and uh, following me on my podcast. Welcome aboard. Hope you find it uh, valuable. Again, you can uh, listen to previous episodes for my previous tips on how to stay sane during unemployment. And tomorrow's episode, we'll be talking about international trade and the services industry, uh, which obviously is not going to look very good because services have been hit uh, much harder than, than, say, manufacturing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with with the services and with trade considering all the things that have been going on with all these restrictions with uh with uh tourism and trade and everything else so this is ed cashmark the everyday economist thanks for listening stay safe and stay sane have a good rest of your day